What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Peter Bolden. And I'm Dr. Craig Spodek, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Simply the best podcast in dentistry designed to help you maximize your practice and your life through four pillars of success. Leadership, team culture, marketing, and financial freedom, and everything in between. Now, let's get to it. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. I'm actually flying solo today without my co-host, Dr. Peter Bolden, but I've got my esteemed friend and colleague, Dr. Andrew Turchin, coming live from Aspen, Colorado. How are you doing, Andrew? Very good, Craig. Good to see you. It's been a long time. Yeah, what has it been? A couple of weeks, right? A couple of weeks, I know. We uh, we miss you here. Yeah, no, that was amazing. So anyway, I want to tell you guys how I came to know Andrew. So um, I knew about Andrew because uh, he is a really well-regarded cosmetic dentist, and he does a teaching program, an over-the-shoulder program, and we, we travel in a small circle. We have a couple of mutual friends. But what was I found most amazing <laughs> about you and, and made, it made my decision firm that I had to meet you was that you had had uh, a well-established and you know startup practice in Manhattan, and you were doing really well, and you basically pulled the cord. Uh, the effort cord and made a big move and started all new. So I want to put a pin in that for one second, because I love that topic, but that made me so intrigued. I'm like, I've got to meet this dude. So I'm in Aspen um, July 25th uh, through the first week of August. And I just ping you and I'm like, Hey, we got to get together. And my wife is like, well, who's this guy? What do you, what do you mean? What do you, I'm like, Oh, we Dennis, we do that. So I yeah, show up exactly. at your office and it was literally bromance at first sight, dude. We <laughs> hit it off. So I'm like, we're talking for the first five or 10 minutes. I'm like, I'm talking to a fucking mirror. This guy is me. You are me and I am you. So all of our idiosyncrasies and it was just an amazing night. We went out for a couple of drinks and we realized how many mutual friends we have and the mutual philosophies we have in dentistry and pulling out our iPhones and showing different cases and hanging out with your lab tech. That was awesome, man. Yeah, it was really awesome. And I still haven't done the genetic testing to find out if we're actually related. <laughs> you know what? Don't do it because we probably are. Just let's yeah. make an assumption that we are. Yeah. But um, it was such a fun night. And um, my, my wife comes over and sees us like we were only supposed to meet for like an hour. It wound up being like three hours, many nights of uh, hanging out together. And it was just it was so much fun. It was so much fun. So I literally during the time I'm in Aspen, I'm like, so why don't we do this? Why don't I become a partner in your practice? <laughs> and what we'll do in the, and Angela's like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. And come yeah, on, I'll in. do the Invisalign. Let's do it. So I'm like going on Google, how to get my Colorado license. Oh man, what a great, what a great add to the trip. So thank you for doing this, by the way. Thank you for making the time to talk to everybody. And uh, I got a lot of questions and um, I really appreciate the fact that you're an open book like me. And that's what, that's what really, we resonated really well. Instantly, our conversation didn't go to how great we're doing. It instantly went to the common frailties that we have instantly. The first, the first moments we started talking. Yeah, absolutely. And that I think is valuable because that, that noise is not, that's not happening in dentistry. There's so many people telling you about how great they're doing and, um, and, you know, thank God, knock on wood, we're both doing well. But, uh, you know, let's not, let's talk about um, the challenges, right? We have challenges every day. We really do. We really do. So I want to start from the story. So I know of Andrew Turchin being a well-regarded Manhattan dentist practicing in Manhattan itself in Midtown, right? Doing well, making some ways, getting some notoriety, both in the dental world and outside of dentistry. And then, so 
let's take us back to that. What, what's going on? I want to hear the full story for the listener. So you, you leave school, you go where? Uh, I go uh, right out of school. I was very lucky. I was looking for an associateship in New York City, which seems like the most impossible thing in the world. And I landed, uh, I landed one with Jonathan Levine, who's, um, you know, teaches the NYU Aesthetic Continuum now. And uh, it was, it was, you know, a great two years. Let's put it that way. I learned a lot. But I, you know, people say you start at the bottom and now you start pretty high then, buddy. Yeah, yeah, pretty much started at the top and uh, spent two years there, learned a lot. And then I opened my own practice on Fifth Avenue, not far, you know, maybe about you know, right outside the restrictive covenant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One, one, one inch. Yeah, what, can pretty, you, what kind of restrictive covenant do you have in Manhattan? They're so ten, dense. Is it like six inches or 500 people? 10, ten blocks is the norm that's like wow. mostly accepted. So I was 10 and a half blocks. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, <clears throat> that's just where I found space and, and opened up. I, I, I literally put up a shingle, like that old fashioned idea of putting up a shingle and hoping they come. I figure a lot of people stroll by on Fifth Avenue. And they well, might by the just... way, what, what's the shingle? I, we got to really talk. We, let's put a pin in that because I, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, it's shingles go on roofs. I, I, you know, that's not a generally accepted term in my in my. Vendor. I put the shingle up or sign, whatever you want to call it, Larry. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, nobody comes, by the way. That doesn't work. Exactly. <laughs> nobody don't. comes. I don't know. I must have done like 200 my first year. Luckily, I had, I had a two-day a, a week. Uh, associateship anyway. Actually, I was helping rebuild world. Actually, oh, how appropriate to, it's not timely today. Time, timely. How, timely. Uh, yeah, I helped rebuild um, World Trade Center Dental afterwards. They were in the no towers. Way. They had one practice that was there. Absolutely. And, um, hmm. and they called me up. A friend of mine was practicing there and he couldn't do it. It was too traumatic for him. And he called me to say, Andrew, you know, I know you were the next guy they were trying to bring in anyway. Can you just take my position? And, and, I, and we spent a few years rebuilding. So I was there two days a week and I opened my own practice two days a week and wow. it, it did almost nothing. So, you know, I started being smart and buying practices like a normal human being, right? That's you, in New York City, you can't just, you don't send out mailers that doesn't work. Nothing really works except buying practices and then getting a reputation. Um, but that starter uh, practice was really helpful. And suddenly we were, you know, doing some real dentistry and it was, uh, it was really exciting. We outgrew it and we moved over to Madison Avenue to a six operatory practice. And uh, I was enjoying every bit of it. <clears throat> and a lot of people think I got burnt out on it and I had to do something and I escaped. And realistically, I just, I, 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 I'm a passionate person. I wanted to follow my passion. And my passion is, believe it or not, uh, outside of dentistry and cooking is skiing. And I love to ski. I love to ski more than anything in the world, except, you know, except a few other things we won't talk about. Um, but realistically, that's why I did it. And everybody thought it was crazy. How do you give this up, Andrew? Um, so how many years total had you worked in New York? How many thir years? 13 years. So I, that's I know that like, let, like a fast history, but 13 Yeah, years. but let that sink in. Cause that's like, you know, you, the ass kicking that you've gone through the first couple of years of like, I can't believe I'm like, I can't afford to do things. I'm a licensed dentist and starting up and moving around and losing an associateship and rebuilding. And it's 13 years, your prop, your, your, your career, I'm presuming, cause I, and I think we actually talked about it. You were actually making, you were doing well progressively. So you had actually gone over the hump. Oh, well over the hump. I had the dream practice. I had my dream practice. I, always strive for, you know, when you get out of dental school, you say, I'm going to do this one day. And I had surpassed that already. I was really happy. 
um, with everything about the practice. Uh, we had done a massive renovation. It wasn't quite your palace, but it was a New York City uh, six operatory practice that uh, my now current wife designed. And she has some, as you know, some pretty darn good taste. Yeah, she's talented. Yep. That's all your existing practice. Very, yeah. And she, you know, does that classic New York City thing really well. She has good taste with design, not in choosing spouses, I got to say, but it's okay. Well, I'm, I'm kind of famous. So, you know, she, she married down, I married up, right? Yeah, you definitely did, buddy. You know how it is. I do. I do. Thank you. I, I met I your did. wife. I, know, that's true. I definitely did. I did. But I, but I, I looked a lot better 15 years ago. <laughs> so that's crazy. So I, that's what fascinated me because like, you know, I'm a, I'm a dreamer and I, uh, you know, these romantic ideals of starting over and, and getting a second chance in life. Many people don't have that. Many people just think that what they're doing is their destiny and they get stuck and they don't change and they live, they live a life that's not fully to the expression of what they want to create. And in dentistry, I think that's more prescient because you have it just takes so long to develop a practice. Like if you're a software engineer and you want to go from NVIDIA to whatever, great, bring it on. Like how do you, after blood, sweat, and tears and over a decade of work and finally people are like, oh yeah, you did Sally's teeth. I want to come to you. You're like, yeah, I'm going to just throw that. I'm going to throw that away. You don't throw away your experience and your, your, your clinical skill, but your reputation is gone. It doesn't follow to Aspen. And it's so important. Actually, shockingly, it did a little bit. Um, You know, Aspen's one of those places, as you know very well, has tentacles everywhere. Yeah, that's true. um, I, you know, quite a few new patients when I got here say, oh, I got an email from a friend that you were coming. So I wasn't stupid. I asked a few people that had some Aspen connections to make sure their friends knew I was coming. And so I came with a bit of a reputation from New York. It wasn't huge, but it was, it, you know, little kernels is all you need. Kind of like uh, getting in, I'm sure you, you have this, uh, getting in with a, a certain company and suddenly everybody's talking about you at that company or coworkers. Yeah. And uh, I think we, we had at least a few kernels of that in Aspen. Did you vacillate though? Um, or was it a pretty clear, like you knew in your heart, I have to do this? Or were you kind of waxing and waning on the idea for a while? Well, I, I mentioned it as a crazy idea, you know, just like you and me BSing. Uh, I said to my girlfriend at the time, you know, we were pretty serious and we were probably, you know, I think we were getting married. I thought we both knew that, but <clears throat> I had not asked the question or anything like that yet. But uh, I said, what do you think about moving to Aspen? And that was uh, my foot in the door because she said, I don't know, let's look into it. That's all I needed. My, I had a full price offer a few weeks later in my practice. And, you know, it was, it was a good number. It was, um, you know, especially before we were looking at EBITDA and stuff. And to tell you the truth, my huge Manhattan practice didn't have a massive, it had an average profitability percentage. So the EBITDA was actually um, through the roof. Uh, oh, interesting. What was the EBITDA? Multiple. Oh, let's see. Well, I got 90% of gross on a, on a not a great uh, grossing practice. So I think it was like seven or eight. Oh, that's awesome. If, if you that's think super about, cool. Yeah. That's very cool. So when you get to Aspen, um, what, was there any time during the first startup years where you're like, oh shit, this was a bad idea? Did you ever have that feeling <laughs> ever once? Every day. No okay. way. No, not every day. Oh. It's just, it was so hard. I, I, the hardest thing about Aspen is there is no workforce whatsoever. And yeah. certainly not a dentally trained one. Uh, so or there is a workforce. There's probably some like uh, wealthy billionaire's wife that wants to like used to be a dental hygienist, and she would only probably take like four or five hundred grand and come in two days a week yeah, to help exactly. you as a hygienist. 
Yeah, I, I have a, a lot of extremely wealthy patients that say, oh, I used to be a hygienist. And I'm thinking that was decades ago. Yeah. Um, and now you married well or did something, yeah, right. you know, got into real estate. Yeah, I have buddies right. here that are all ex-dentists, but they, you know, rolled up into Oh, yeah. Estate. We have buddies. We have buddies in common. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That became uh, real estate moguls. And yeah. as, by the way, uh, his house just sold here. His, uh, oh, yeah. our mutual buddy's house that he developed because he became a developer just sold for, I don't know, it was on the market for 29 million and the market's really hot here right now. So I wonder if he got it. Yeah. yeah so the market's hot everywhere. I mean, I like, know. unfortunately, um, I, I was talking to a real estate person this <clears> morning and they're like reaching out to me. They're like, Hey, do you want to sell your house? I'm like, I don't not, not really thought of it. They're like, well, there's people from Connecticut, New York that have come into Florida right now, sight unseen, and they'll buy your house for XX. I was like, what are you talking about? So I literally told my wife, I'm like, babe, would you move to a condo? You know, cause I could actually take this money out. And, um, she was surprisingly receptive to the idea. Wow. I would never think she would have been my, my yeah, wife. She was no. super receptive. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, That's... you know, the whole concept of like, you know, you earn your money, but you got to have your money earning for you. And I just, she, she understands that. She's like, well, listen, I, awesome. if you know, to take that money out and go spend it on something stupid is one thing. But if you actually invested that um, and that would change our trajectory, she's like, I don't mind. I mean, the con granted is not like a crappy condo, but um, it, there's just the real estate market is just super hot. So that's Dude, crazy. Yeah, exactly. There's a massive geographic distribution going on right now. Yeah. And by the way, it. we, we got to put a pin in this too. You're like this maverick investor. <laughs> like, oh my God, we got to, we put that in this po the posting. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to write that down because I don't want to lose any of this stuff. <laughs> so, so you, so you go to Manhattan, you're like, what the fuck did I do for a little while? You finally break through obviously, cause you're doing really well now. Um, but there was a, I just want to talk about the period of time where you're like, were you ever thinking about, should I go back to Manhattan? Was that ever a, an idea? I, I would imagine. I actually recollect a few conversations with my wife saying, was this, are, are we crazy? I mean, the staff struggles are so real. Um, there's, do, do you know David Maloli at all? He's a guy in Vail. Yeah, and, I do uh, know that guy. We were doing? on a call with him, right? Or maybe not. Uh, was Molo? I don't think Maloli was on that call. Okay, I, maybe he was. Uh, we, I, we had a whole good crew on that call during our COVID calls, just you know, yeah. bringing the minds together. Um, <clears throat> but Maloli uh, also, you know, I, I used to think it was me. He, you know, he was also. <laughs> I thought it was me. I said, I can't lead a team here. It's difficult. And realistically, I think we all have that challenge on occasion. But well, right now it's super present, man. Everybody I'm talking to is having the same issue. I had a year that I had to find temporary hygienists to come in from other states. And wow. we had a condo that we'd put them up at. I mean, this wow. was, you know, how do you, how do you have a, you know, a seven figure practice without a hygienist? And I thought, well, I mean, the cost of real Aspen is this own little like Island in the midst of, you know, thousands of miles of wilderness and it's pretty fancy man it's pretty fancy that was you know that was pricey a, at least right yeah some of the real estate is kind of from the 70s it's pricey and i know, know i can't believe it i couldn't believe the prices of things so it's true i mean that you you probably didn't have a good understanding of that coming in huh um i heard and i but i was coming from new york and i thought oh whatever nothing could be more expensive than new york i think i truly think aspen is my rent is not my rent is actually a lot less for my office here for some odd reason and similar size. And we're, we have great location right on Main Street. 
but uh, the rest of it, food. There's yeah, no, I noticed that. I know. There's no $15 pasta plate at your neighborhood Italian. It's, yeah, I know, uh, I know. I know. $35 pasta plates at, at there's only seven restaurants in town. And uh, it's. Yeah, but I commend you for doing something that um, I think people chase. Um, I think, especially in dentistry, people chase like economic fulfillment over true fulfillment. And um, I commend you for making a decision at a point in your career when you had significant investment and pulling the cord and, and starting anew. I think that's really refreshing. Um, and uh, you know, there's probably a lot of people that are listening right now that are not in a great situation or they, they're in a good situation. They got everything they ever wanted, which is really a, unfortunately a bad situation when you get everything you ever wanted and you still wind up being unfulfilled. And you can't quite figure out, you're like, you know what it was? I hijacked someone else's vision or someone else's dream. Or I took over this practice and you know what? I got one life to live and I really want to like be over there. I love surfing and I live 500 miles from the coast or whatever it is. I think that's just so, so cool that you did that. Thanks, my man. Uh, I actually got two calls this week uh, or within the last week from dear friends in New York City who are thinking of changing their world. And they, they called me because I guess they've done it. One wants to sell their practice. One has been an associate for 30 years at the same practice and very well known restorative dentist. And, <clears throat> and they're like, I just want, I want out. Oh, that's awesome. You know what my solution is? Do it. You leave yours, you keep yours, join. I'm, I'm putting them together. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. One says their volumes down. That means the overhead's getting high. There's more risk. Oh, yeah. uh, and I'm like, you know, you guys are old friends anyway. I know. I know. Right. I do that all the time, by the way. I do that all the I'm like, guys, you have these, they're talking these three offices or like, we're all upset. We don't have to do. I'm like, band up together. Right. We don't do that in, den in dentistry, unfortunately, as much as we should. You see these law firms and spinal orthopedic groups that are just like 15 partners. Like that's awesome. I kind of like what you've done. You've built a very yeah. big facility. I don't know. Why don't you bring those three practices that you're at? You're at capacity. I know. No, but it's no, I'm not, you know, there's, I, I love collaboration. I mean the, you know, people, people talk about partnerships and how bad they can be and people, you know, it's like marriage, marriage too. People are like, you know, if you really look at the statistics, you and I would have never gotten married. Marriage yeah. is not a great ROI. If you look at the numbers, because <laughs> right. you can get divorced. Kids yeah. are not a great ROI. Partnerships sometimes can go awry, but I think the the, the beauty is, is, um, is in the, is working together with people for a long time. I think that's the most rewarding thing. My partnerships that I have are just awesome. They're challenging at some points, but you, you know, you evolve and you communicate. And I think that works. I mean, I, I I'm happy you, you say that because I say the same thing to people. Absolutely. So, so let's switch gears for a second here. So, um, most of your practice is, you know, what percentage of your practice now is cosmetic? Do you do, are you doing some quadrant dentistry or is it like very rare that you do that stuff? I do single tooth dentistry sometimes. I'd say okay. about 50% big cases. Um, there are weeks, especially in the summer, we have busy seasons, slow seasons, very seasonal. Another challenge to see your business go down, you know, almost 50%. For Sorry, what's the slow season for dentistry? Um, I'm <clears> presuming <throat> it's the summer. Uh, no, summer's the busiest. Oh, okay, got it, got yeah, it. People got are it. here for so long. People come to ski in the winter and they might get some dentistry done, but they're only here for a week to ski. Oh, um, I got it, got it, yeah. So they're hanging. Yourself. You came for how many weeks? A few weeks at least, right? Yeah, yeah, in the winters, I'm there for like a couple, of days, a handful of days. 
Exactly. So when are you going to get dentistry done? So in the summer, I, in the winter, I hear, oh, I'll be back in the winter, Andrew. And I'll, I'll, I mean, in the summer, I'll get it done then. So Got in the it. summer, I could spend maybe four uh, mornings a week doing, cause, you know, reconstructive, like full arches or 10 units and up. Um, and in the winter and the, and, and the fall season, it might be, if I'm lucky, once a week. So I'd say about half the units we do are part of huge cases. Um, again, 10 units, but we do a lot of full mouth. I'd say uh, more than most cosmetic dentists, we're, we're, we're really lean towards the reconstructive dentistry. People have had veneers and crowns and mixed things, and it's time to just, you know. Yeah, they've had a ton piecemeal. They built the house one room at a time. Exactly. And now it's like, yeah, which color do you want me to match of your eight front teeth exactly. when I do this number 10 for you? Yeah. I can make it look like 11. I can make it look like nine, but I can't <laughs> <laughs> just pick a color. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a great conversation starter, by the way, when you when someone has patchwork cosmetic dentistry and it, it's all sound, but you, then they break their front tooth. Yeah. It's just like you realize we have six different colors across here. Exactly. And you know I, people wonder where my patients come from. It comes from exactly that. We've set up our practice, even though everybody thinks I, you know, sit down and see one patient at a time. I do, but we've actually built our practice to be ready to go for emergencies and pretty much never say no to a broken front tooth. I never want to say no to a broken front tooth. No, God, no. It's and also an like you're in Aspen, like, you know, for us in normal parts of the world, a broken front tooth could be a guy like, yeah, it broke seven years ago and I want to <laughs> do it today because I got a date, yeah. you know, and like the guy like, you know, can't, like kick, takes the bus. And when you tell them it's a couple hundred dollars for this or that, they're like, what are you kidding me? So you have this pre-qualified thing because you're geographically, like if you can afford to be in that zip code, you could probably get together. Even if you're a waiter or any type of employee, you're making decent money in Aspen. So yeah, absolutely. So that's Which cool. also makes it a challenge to bring people into the office because how much can we really pay people in dentistry? I, I totally overpay people here, but I'm um, competing with that that hospitality industry and the tips, the uh, the you know as they call it the Aspen Ten. It's really a hundred. <laughs> What's the Aspen? What does that mean? It's called a a hundred dollar bill in Aspen oh, is okay, referred to as an Aspen Ten. Oh, wow. Because people geez. will tip hundreds on occasion. So, yeah. you know. So when I was at Casa 2 and I gave the lady a five, you think that didn't go well? I didn't. She was probably like, yeah. I thought he was, <laughs> was nice. Why is he being so... <laughs> No. I'm, I'm sure you're a very generous tipper. But, uh... <laughs> I'm kidding. We had so much fun. My God, it was so much fun. I literally, we left this restaurant. I'm like, I think I ruined your relationship with this. Because everybody knows you. It's a small town. I'm like, hey, Dr. Turchin. Oh, my God. Hey, hey, keep flossing. Keep it up. Let's be honest. They all know you now. Um, Craig, you know who I saw last night? I went to 7908. I saw your favorite DJ. No way. Cedric was there? He was sitting right next to me. We ate inside. Of course I said hello. And I said, can you believe who I'm going to be on a podcast with tomorrow? I told him we were doing this. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) He was sitting with the owner. I think they're best buddies now. Yeah, they're best buddies. No, uh, they were best buddies from a while ago. The father. Yeah, the father. Yeah. Yeah. Israeli guy, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I remember that. So yeah, Cedric Gervais came to us um, um, and I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't know who he was, but like my team was freaking the fuck out. They're like, oh my God. So of course I know the summertime sadness and stuff like that, but I'm not the guy to be at the, the I don't even know, what, I don't know. What, I don't even know what they're called, so I'm not going to go there because I'll, I'll date myself. <laughs> Fiestas, the festivals. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, he's a good friend now. He's a good guy, and um, we we I hung out with him a little bit while he's asked me lives there now in the summers, and uh, he's like, I need a dentist. So that's your connection now. So, Absolutely, um, great guy, really good guy. You'll really enjoy him. Oh, that's awesome. Definitely. Yeah, it's a small world. This little well, town. it's a small town. That's for sure. 
All right, all right. We hope everyone is getting massive value from listening to this podcast. If you are, we're going to ask a couple things in return. First, review us on iTunes. If you don't know how to do that, the easiest way is to pick up your phone, open the podcast app, click on the album art, and then scroll all the way through the episodes, and you'll see review at the bottom. Go ahead and bang out the stars that we deserve. Second thing, if you haven't signed up for our text uh, list to get notified of special offers or the next summit or whatever it may be, uh, make sure to text the words bulletproof to 33777. That's 33777 and the word is bulletproof. Third thing is we've got the book, as most of you all know, but we've also got the audible version that Dr. Spodak spent three days in studio and it was an arduous task and he crushed it. He really should be an audible book episode. That's it, everyone. Hope you're having a great day and we'll see you soon. So let's jump gears here because like you have this amazing talent that freaks me out. You have, you have, you have two major talents in, in my, well, two talents I want to touch upon, I should say. Number one talent is you as a teacher because I want to talk about the, um, um, the over the shoulder um, cosmetic coaching that you do. And then I, but before we get to that, I want to talk about your market savvy. It's fucking crazy, man. Like you, <laughs> like I, you showed me this chart that you did before the market crash, like a year or two that you predicted the market 2018, crash. Yeah. You're like Nostradamus of the stock market. And, and you send me this email and I'm very thankful for it, but I only understand like a quarter of it. <laughs> yeah. So, so how do you, how are you doing teeth? Why are you wasting your time talking to me? If you have this amazing ability to predict the market, like talk to me about that. Wow. Um, well, I, you know, I just, from an academic standpoint, I find it really interesting. The market, I'm a firm believer that the market is patterned. Um, I think I've proven that since two years ago when I drew out the path of the market, uh, of a bear market in 2018, a bull market up to the beginning of 2020 and a bear market in 2020, I know it was like, right? And yeah, it's crazy. I have friends that say, Andrew, you, you predicted uh, coronavirus. And I said, no, 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 no. And I predicted the market and the market predicted Corona. And that might seem way out there, woo-woo, but it's really based in science. There's a great book called Wisdom of Crowds that um, I'm yeah. a fan of and, and shows the science behind experts being wrong on most occasions. Uh, crowds. Uh, oh, are you showing me some? Oh, oh, oh. Well, for those that are actually watching, <laughs> for those that are watching a video right now, I pulled something up on the screen. I'm sharing my screen. If you're not watching, I'll explain it to you. It is the most convoluted series of green, red, and dots. And Andrew sends this to me like somehow I'm going to make sense of all this. And I, <laughs> I feel stupid, so I have to actually say, oh yeah, thank you. You know, I agree with you about the um, the uh, RSI. And the uh, whatever the hell this shit is, but I mean it's uncanny. So what are you doing? Why are you not like taking? Why don't you make a hedge fund? What's up with that? Oh, you know, there's that's complicated. Trading other people's money is probably the hardest thing in the world. By the way, trading one's own money is hard. Uh, the psychology of trading. I can't tell you how many times I have been shaken out on my own predictions that are right every time. Yes, I, I tell you what I happened just, during this March twenty first. March 21st, I wake up with the idea I'm going to buy the largest single position. And I don't want to mention the number, but it was, it was a six-figure position of the S&P 500. So, they said, so my buddy's like, don't buy the S&P, buy VTI, which is basically the same thing, an yeah. index fund. Sure. I do it. 
everybody says, including Peter Bolden, what the fuck are you doing, man? We are about to go through. I know it dropped a shit ton today. I bought it at 121, but we are about to go through the worst economic storm ever. I'm like, I know, but I'm long-term. That's all good. So a day later, I sold 90% of it because I wasn't convicted and I was yeah. nervous. Yeah. So I put that money back in like a Capital One account getting 0.0001% interest. <laughs> but the money I left in there is now at 40%. Exactly. So I, I have no, I have no uh, conviction either. Yeah, it's tough. And I, I mean, luckily I didn't do that. Um, yeah, well, I, actually, I still made money. I just didn't make as much as I should have. Exactly. But it's, it's hard. And I can't imagine the pressure of dealing with other people's money. Um, I think it would be less. Yeah, you just have yeah. it. You, you just, I would show those charts and be like, look, this is my track record. You know, hey, listen, tell me your track record and let me get you. I'll, I won't, I will never make a peep. I'll sign a social disclosure to never harass you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll never right? call you and ask. Exactly. Um, actually, I, I just did my track record, not necessarily of trading, because I think we all get shaken out at times. Um, and the market is designed to do that, by the way. It of course it is. You know, the psychology of markets. I always say, if you really want to understand the psychology of what you're talking about, of that fear and, and greed of uh, making a decision, being in it, then being shaken out, and you're doing that maybe once or twice a year, making a big trade, I say trade, uh, day trade for a day or two, and you'll have a, every day you have a million uh, opportunities to feel that same thing if you're trading minute charts and, and uh, five minute charts, because the market's actually fractal. If, if you know what a, uh, you know, a fractal, there's small versions and big versions. The same exact drastic moves are happening on the minute charts as daily charts. So you get booms and busts and, and all that emotion in a very short time frame. Uh, and I've done that as well. I mean, there was, I, I have, there was a week where I, I de- during COVID, I day traded with a 67% return. The wow. market, the market moved 3% in a week, you know, up and down, up and down and up and down. And I traded up for a 67% return. Wow. I, but guess what? I couldn't, I can't repeat it. it it's emotionally draining. I, I mean, I, I've done everything there is to do with uh, the market. I find it fascinating. Uh, day trading is, is not something I, I can withstand for a long amount. It's a massive amount of stress. Yeah. All those decisions that you have to make, should I stay in, should I not? All day, every day. Yeah, then CNN, like China has something coming out. Oh shit, is that gonna rattle everybody? By the That's way, I don't, I don't look at the news. Oh, you don't while you're day trading? You don't? No, no, I don't look at the news ever. I don't believe in it. And and in my experience, it's contrary. Like your friend, the news was saying everything was horrible on, and that, I mean, everything was horrible on March 21st, right? Oh yeah, it was terrible. And the news was bad, bad, bad. But on March 16th, by the way, I called that exact bottom on March 23rd. You told me that. I told me that. Without coronavirus though, without coronavirus. So everybody thinks it was due. So you're saying it was just due for a correction and the causative I, I, people are like, oh, it's because of this. But in actuality, it was the metrics that were pre-built into the market, correct? Or the market knew. That's yeah, the market the, knew, yeah. That's the market can, yeah. markets can actually predict the future more accurately than any expert for sure. Um, you know, economists never predict any of these bear markets. There was, there's never in history been two bear markets and a bull market in a two and a half year span. And people are like, oh, Andrew, you got lucky. Well, how did I get lucky calling in advance three gigantic moves that have never happened in history? And I would say I I just understood the pattern and I saw the pattern and I called it. Let me just dumb this all down for people that are like me that are listening right now because I want to make a point from all this. So if if you're 
like me and you're not really understanding all the trends and stuff like that, the best time to jump in and start investing was yesterday. And the timing is great if you understand it all, but you just want to like, there's a lot of young guys out there, a lot of young, a uh, lot of young ladies and, and, and gentlemen that are brand new minted dentists. And the first, you know, there's a book that rich dad, poor dad, I reread it recently. And I'm also a big fan of this guy, Naval Ravikant, who talks about like getting rich. And he says that's, he always talks about like doctors and lawyers and stuff that we don't wind up getting rich because we wind up earning really well, but we steadily earn over time. And uh, we don't usually have events. People get rich from events because when you have an event, you sell something and you get, you know, $100,000, you'll tend to take that money. People tend to take that and invest it. Versus like you make a hundred grand a year and then you make 120 or 140 and each year your expenses creep up accordingly with your, your earnings. I mean, I'm, I, I find myself thinking like when I was like 10 years ago, if I could just make this, oh my God. And then I made that and now I still, I'm still tight, you know, money, you'll, <laughs> it, you'll always have the same relative expenses to what you make. So I think there's something that I want to just impress upon people, you know, rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki, if you haven't read it, or if you haven't read in a long time, read it. And uh, there's one for children as well, but he talks about, you know, earning money or having your money earned for you. So even if you don't understand the RSI index and the market timing and all that stuff, invest in your future and start putting some stuff away. It will grow. The law of averages and law of returns in the stock market is really in our favor, even yeah. through all the, the major crises in the world. And if you buy the day before the crash over time, it won't fucking matter. Right? It, yes. In history, I mean, that's worked out. I, I think we're, I think we're headed for a larger correction in a few, in, in a few years to be honest. Okay. But, but let's just I say, I don't want to be a doomsdayer, but no, it's that, fine. That, it's fine. That's what my just, patterns are saying. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. My tea leaves say the same thing, Andrew, but I'm just <laughs> saying that if you buy, uh, if you're a young, you know, person out there, that's a young dentist and you're, you're making more money. If you dump, if you start investing the day before that major crash and you're, you know, 35 or younger, or even 45, and yeah. you got a 20 year horizon, you will actually be really happy that you did, you bought that day before the crash. Even though you won't be happy for possibly years, long term, yeah. you'll be yeah. happy. It'll be hard. And the, and the truth is, though, what happens emotionally is pe people that buy at that top sell at the bottom. Yes, just, of course they do. Happens. And all these brokers are telling them to do that, by the way. Hey, leave your money in cash. I'll tell you when. Bullshit. Yeah, Bullshit. exactly. The, you know, what's always interesting is people like to compare, you know, trying to time the market with, with buy and hold. And uh, first of all, my calls from two and a half years ago, if you just follow those, this is the weirdest thing. It returned the market, uh, it returned 121%. And the market, if you timed every top and bottom perfectly, it was 151%. Oh my like, God. So, so you're saying like getting in and out at the ideal times versus staying in is a, like a diminishing level return. Well, my calls, just a, my random chart that you saw from two and a half years ago, uh, okay, called so, 121 of the 151% of the perfect. Oh, call. I understand. I misunderstood you. Got it. And then the buy and hold is about 20% from the day I drew that chart to, to today. Got so, it. Well, <clears> Peter's <throat> not on this call, but he would be at this point, he'd been inserting a comment. He'd be like, hey, Andrew, what's your thought on Bitcoin? So I'm going to play Peter for you. Okay, Bitcoin. Uh, you know, it's funny because I, I called, you know, it's all charts. So two weeks before the top of Bitcoin a couple of years ago, I ranted on Facebook that this is, you know, going to drop. And it did. And then I called, you know, along the way, I said, oh, it looks like a bottom around four or 5,000. 
Now, okay. if, you, if you follow Bitcoin, it literally dipped at 3,200 yeah. for a second. So right below my target, it, years out. So you would think I would know what's going on with Bitcoin right now. I just know recently around 11,000, I said, we're going to pull back. I just, I don't have an exact number where we're pulling back to. Somewhere definitely at 12,000, I was saying seven, but it could even be down as low as five. What but do you think happens to crypto and Bitcoin specifically five years down the road? Well, after that pullback, but that's a drastic pullback. And I, I you know, I don't want any, you know, people are going to get shaken out. But after that pullback to from where we are now around 10,000 down to seven or 5,000, I think we're gonna have a pretty darn big run. You know, really? I, I, I predict 60,000. No way. Yeah. Yeah, so that means you're, you're long on Bitcoin and you would actually, you'd consider owning it if you don't own it already. Yeah. I wouldn't own it now because I'm, I, I, I sold it, you know, around 10, five, I, I was a little bit early, but I knew we were topping and I Interesting. said, you know what? I was taking a nice profit. You know, I owned it since 4,000. So, um, Interesting. I, I was a happy guy. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And a disclaimer here, I am not fit to give investment advice, nor do I pretend to Neither be. Neither am I, by yeah. the way. I mean, I but, just- uh, I find it I interesting love- and I find your track record interesting. It's really cool that you're into that. Um, let's get something back to dentistry for one yeah, second, because I know market market timing is something that probably <laughs> a lot of people are interested in. Talk to me about like um, your, your journey and why you decided to start um, helping other dentists in the cosmetic coaching, over the shoulder coaching. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I, I, I remember after seeing a lot of emergency temporary veneer situations while their people were in town and people saying, um, I, I had one woman in particular, I'll never forget, she fell off her bike. She, a temporary came off, you know, not the fault of the dentist. And I said, oh, you know, let's get this back on. And how do you, what do you think of, you know, do you like your temporary? She says, no, no, but don't worry. The I, I yeah, the programs are going to be amazing. Exactly. I just know it. Exactly. I just know the dentist has exactly what I want in his mind. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and there will be no surprises. Prep and pray. Um, yeah, prep and, pray. and I remember oh, I that, like that. Right. That's uh, the prep and pray idea that she's going to like them. And I said, you know, I, I would, I would have a conversation with your dentist about uh, possibly working on this in the plastic instead of working on it in porcelain and making sure you like that first. So, I just realized that what I thought was the norm of how yeah. we do cosmetic common dentistry. Common sense is not so common, yeah. Yeah. Um, I always say uh, a plastic surgeon wishes they had the opportunity um, to, sorry, somebody my hygienist. That's okay. You can it. do that with your kid. You remember how they palm your, the kid? <laughs> right. I'm like, ah, I'm in the middle of <laughs> That's true. Um, plastic surgeons wish they had what we had, man. Oh. The opportunity to try something on. So we take oh it really seriously. I don't know. If, I'm nuts about my temporaries. I, we should be. Right? No surprises, but all the iconic guys are, they, they share that same philosophy, but it's cool because I'm not aware of too many like over the shoulder courses. Yeah. At least, you know, so, so tell me about that. I know people can go to cosmeticcoaching.com, but what, what's the deal? Talk to me. I mean, I, I've seen your work. I've seen the, the layout, I've seen the lab. Tell me exactly what it is though. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, started because a friend said, Hey, I, I want my teeth done. And can you do them? And by the way, I think, I think you should, I've never, I've never actually thought of a course or uh, put on anything with that. Somebody said, would you come speak? Or it's always somebody else's idea. I, it's so weird with the teaching. Um, <clears throat> and I said, sure, let's do one. And I, when I set out to do it, I said, I'm going to teach it all. And I'm going to teach it in a way that people are going to actually learn this. Because I heard, I, I've seen it over and over again. Uh, dentists that have been to more continuing education than myself 
I was lucky enough to actually practice with the guys teaching that, you know, with Larry Rosenthal and Jonathan Levine and those guys. But uh, they, I was always amazed. There was, there was so many people that had been to hundreds of hours of C that weren't doing the cases. And I said, I'm going to teach it in a concise format so that somebody could leave with the confidence to go do it that next week. And uh, that's what we created. So the over the shoulder course is it's over the shoulder, it's uh, didactic lectures, and it's hands-on taking records, designing each other's smiles and things like that. They're not prepping each other's teeth. <clears throat> but for me, I think people learn in different ways and you need to kind of bring that information to them in multiple ways for it to actually stick. And I think of Tim Ferriss. I don't know if you're a big fan of Tim Ferriss, but I love his idea of accelerated learning. And so this is about what do you need to know to get this done? Do, you, do we really need Piper's classification knowledge to be able to do a cosmetic case? I would say no. Um, I haven't taken Piper's course and I'm doing fine with joints. Uh, I'm really sorry to say this, but I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it's, you know, it, actually it's a Florida thing, I think. I think he's in Florida, North Florida somewhere, but he's the joint classification guy. And some people think this is necessary knowledge. Oh, have, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you okay, know, yeah. Piper's class. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I wasn't yeah. thinking joints. I was thinking like teeth and Oh, proportion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think we need to be a TMJ expert to yeah. do cosmetic and reconstructive work. We need to know how to screen people and know who not to touch and, and things like that. And respect the envelope of function and read people's occlusion. It's amazing how many people just don't take into consideration. Like if you take a, a pair, a, a set of models that's articulated and you start looking at the wear facets and seeing what these patients do, yeah. You know, it's pretty incredible. The envelope of function can be so varied for certain people Absolutely. and their teeth will tell their teeth will tell you. Absolutely. They'll tell you. And that's why we, you know, everybody that goes through our continuum buys a, a whole articulator set up. Which articulators are you guys using? We're 82. Do you know 82? Okay. It's like a Panadent uh, spin-off. Yeah. 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 And uh, you just call up and ask for the Turchin package. Anybody, even, you know, your viewers, if they want a great setup at a great price, just ask for the Turchin package. It's what you need. It's not the excess junk, you know, you don't. Okay, cool. You know, and it's half, half the price of Panadent. Oh, um, that's awesome. Yeah. So what about what, one last thing I want to talk please. to you about? Well, uh, when's your next core? How do you work it? Are you doing as a revolving curriculum or is there just certain spots and times of the year? Uh, we once or sometimes twice a year, we pull off in the off season because we're real seasonal. So ours is October 8th and 9th this year and November 5th and 6th. And it's, so it's two weekends because we prep on one weekend and people okay, go they home come back with, and insert. Yeah, we come back and insert. And we also, they have homework. They mount each other's cases while, and, and they design and wax their own cases. And I, I urge dentists to wax some cases once in a while. I, I wax oh, a for lot sure. of You learn so much about occlusion. And, oh, yeah. You know, we want to let our lab decide on this entire thing. And they're not as educated as we are on occlusion, or at least we should be more educated on occlusion than Well, they it's are. also just they want your vision. Like, it's not this idea, like, you send, send this thing out, and the, the lab just magically knows what the hell's going on. I mean, the, it should start, you know, from the, from the vision of it all. It's incredible how many steps are not, not taken. You know, you look at these like, you know, really iconic providers like yourself and, and, and you see the amount of communication and, and back and forth. They look at you and your technician be like, oh my God, it's so cool you have that technician. It is cool, but like you are together on every, I heard you guys talking. It's like, oh yeah, Susie's, yeah, Susie's number 10 on the bubble. I mean, you guys are in it. You're in you it. talk about line angles. I know you're a line cool. angle guy and uh, yeah. how much translucency this patient's going to want and uh, yeah. We've developed some really cool things. I think for me, having a technician let me um, 
tinker a little bit and we've yeah. developed uh, some layering processes so that sure. we're, we're relatively, we're monolithic in strength of Emacs and we don't have an incisal cutback, which uh, most people are doing incisal cutbacks. And then you have this strong material Emacs with the weakest part of the tooth incisal edge built up in feldspathic porcelain. To me, that's counterproductive. Well, there is, you know, as technology advances, and I know we can go off on a tangent on this, but as technology advances, there is becoming, at least to my eye, a very law, a very limited amount of um, a law of diminishing returns, I should say, between the um, the layering and the monolithic. You know, the the, the materials are getting so damn good yeah. that I'm like, okay, you significantly reduced the strength of that unit, um, yeah. and you made it look two percent better or ten percent better. It, you know, so it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. We could. That's like a one hour geeked out podcast that we could do. But I agree. Like in my mouth, if you could match me really, really well with an Emacs, you know, monolithic crown, please don't cut it back for me. I'm no. okay. No. Like and if to, you do, just do it on the facial. Right. We, we don't have to cut back the edge. Right, uh, right. Exactly. Every ceramist told me it was impossible, and I just kept pushing them. You know. No, but, but my, it's getting more – like if you look at monolithics today versus monolithics of five years ago, you see right. the trajectory. You see the yeah. trajectory. With so this, imagine. Especially with those stains, external stains. I mean – It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, you've probably sat down at your in your lab and – Oh, I do all the time. I love Isn't it. I love it. it so cool? I love it, yeah, because it's like, listen, it's – in most parts of the world, the technician and the dentist are, the, are in the same place. It's really – you know, there's not too many tooth-obsessed cultures and societies like Germany and Japan and, you know, U.S. and uh, U.K. maybe, but those other countries, the technician is a lot closer to the, to the, to the dentist than we are. Yeah, we're sending things all across the world and sending them everywhere. Like in Italy, they go, they go there, they smoke a cigarette, they have the cappuccino, they talk about the thing. <laughs> yeah. I had an Italian technician in my office once. It was Me so too. My first technician was Italian as well. Oh my god, it's so uh, funny. He was so artistic, and I mean, he was so unproductive. Like I remember telling him, like I had a three o'clock patient with a custom shade. And it'd be like 345. I'm like, Fernando, where are you? Or Federico, I can't remember this. So my guy was like, you know, oh my God, I'm so sucked. Sorry, doctor. I, I went to take a coffee. I'm like, well, when's your coffee? Like, I, no, it's beautiful out. I'm like, I know. He's like, I'll be there at 430. I'm like, dude, it's at three o'clock. Like you gotta like, it was incredible. But that, that was, it was a very enriching experience in many ways. And it was successful. It was cool. But it That's is, awesome. it is awesome to have that collaboration. If you have that, or even if you have a local, <clears throat> local lab that you're using, go sit benchside with them. It's awesome. Before I had my own lab, I used to sit down with this guy, Mike, and we'd stack cases together, staying late and drinking coffee and hanging out. It was it's, it's, it's actually really dynamic for patients. One thing I want to touch upon though, too. Well, first of all, do you have any openings for that course? Or are you like booked up forever? Cause of... I think there's two spots left is what I, what okay, I cool. Told. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So go to cosmeticcoaching.com. Um, you can find it there, right? Absolutely. It's just okay. live, it says live course and just click on that. It has all awesome. the information. And uh, you can ask for the Spodak package, which means that Dr. Turchin will take you out for a scotch at uh, Casa Tua at the end. We have a lot of fun. We actually have a graduation uh, and I don't think we'll be able to do it this year in the same venue, but usually in the Nell's wine cellar. Oh, wow. It, that's awesome. So much fun. You know, yeah, and we do a wine tasting and anyway. It's a lot do it fun. outdoors. It'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a little chilly. <laughs> yeah, but it, Aspen's doing it right. I was really happy to see how people are really being socially responsible um, in your area. So I felt really safe being over there, which is great. As opposed to I came back to Florida and I was like, oh shit, like everybody's going full blown, like out of control here. 
And we had more cases, like people were being more sensitive about COVID in Aspen with fewer cases. And I came back to Florida at like 13 to 15,000 cases per day, per day. And everybody's in the, you know, on the streets and, but whatever. So um, just as a testament to like, you know, being safe over there, I, I felt really good about being in Colorado. So you should too, if you're thinking about getting some CE right now. Um, and I want to talk about uh, one thing. What the heck was it? something important oh yeah for me this is this is something that i really i don't know if you touch upon this in your courses or not so i've met i have the opportunity of working with many dentists in the same exact building so you'll hear dentists all the time andrew saying like oh you know my area is just not good or my practice or where i practice they don't they're not receptive to cosmetic dentistry or this or that or whatever external reason that they say so it's interesting, I have this really neat social experiment where I have multiple doctors in the same practice seeing the exact same patients. Mm. And one will see a doctor who has great hand skills, great hand skills, and say to the doctor, I'm really sorry, I only wanna do what insurance will pay and where's my free this or that. Yeah. And that patient will then go to some other part of the office, maybe the same exact day. <laughs> so I'm not saying that they came, you know, they, they listened to your stock mm. portfolio and they made a lot of money or they made a good investment. I'm saying the same freaking day, Andrew, and yeah. meet Dr. B. And Dr. B gets called in because Dr. B, there's a problem. The other doctor left for lunch or something. And there's a problem. The, the patient's like, oh, I wanted to ask about this little spot. You know, they already had a comp exam. And Dr. B goes in there, Dr. A or whatever we want to call him. Yeah. And they go through and they say, well, what about this? Have you thought about that? Have you thought of And all of a sudden, a thirty-five dollars or $45,000 case evolves. So the point of that story is that in my practice, I can see that whatever you're selling yourself about, you're not, this is the wrong area. You can do it in your area. Of, of course, there are areas that don't support cosmetics at the same level. But what I'm trying to hit on is, do you touch upon the ability for a dentist to enroll patients because there's dentists out there that have horrible hands and they're killing it economically. And there's dentists out there that have better hands than you'll ever have, Andrew, and they cannot sell a single case, which is a travesty. This is, this is my concern. People go into continuum after continuum and them not doing cases. So obviously uh, case presentation is a huge part of it. And uh, we go over all of it. I, I would only say this. Every time I speak, if I'm giving enough time, I give it all. I give every trick in my book. Good. And obviously, you know, with 20, 25 new patients a month, we do a huge amount of reconstructive work because we have very thorough conversations. And I talk about how we take people and funnel them, you know, in a conversation simply without getting, because also a lot of dentists are confused themselves on the options. Oh, yeah. And I teach them how to just funnel into, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, do you want to fix it, maintain it, or do nothing? Well, you see what you just said. You just, you just asked a question. So everybody, many dentists think that a case presentation is a, an elaborate, dramatic monologue where you're trying to impress somebody. Just yeah. shut the fuck up. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know if your kids are listening. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like worried about cursing because you keep looking at the side. But it's like, just shut up and ask questions. Yeah. You don't take up all the oxygen in that console room. What's important to you? What do you want? What's frustrating? Just they'll tell you everything. Yeah. I go into dentist and I, we have like these glass console rooms. I've seen like when I'm training a dentist, they will just talk the whole time. I'll just see them talking and talking. Did you ask what is, and I'll say what, well, what's most important to the patient? Um, I think they really want that. What do you mean you think they want? What do they want? What do they say? Well, I think that they, I think that they're like, well, what did they say? 
And then they realize they never asked. They never asked. The first thing we do. Exactly. So we <laughs> teach our process beginning to end. You're right. Why, why do dentists think, and the word need, by the way, you need to do, that's the biggest turnoff for every patient. Yeah. I just, my, my friend in New York that wanted to leave, uh, general dentist, she's like, everybody in New York saying no to a crown that they need. And I'm like, do you tell them they need it? She's like, of course I do. I go, don't ever use that word again. Never say need to a patient because nothing needs to happen. I know. You don't even need your teeth. You don't you, need your teeth. They, they make really good nutritional shakes that you could, you could get proper nutrition without any of your teeth. Exactly. Teeth are so a luxury. Fix, maintain, or do nothing. And if the more you say do nothing as an option and remind them that that's an option, of the course. more you, you're giving them permission to say yes to something. Bigger. Yes. Yes. You could do absolutely nothing. Well, what's going to happen? You'll probably come back with a swollen face. I don't know when. Could be in yeah. a week, could be in six months. Because exactly. it could be six years. And it's good to have that conversation. It's great to have that conversation. And, and dentists want to just start with that. If you don't do this, you need to do this. Or, and we're taught this. In and then when they say just, why, by the way, you then get defensive and you start going doctor speak. Yeah. Well, the decay is below the margin of the bone and migrating downward towards the pulp and going through the frication. Once it's the frication, <laughs> you could bifurcate it. Maybe you do an apicoectomy. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? You know, it's like, just, you're going to be in a lot of pain. You're going to be in a lot of pain. I don't know when. Down. It could be a month. It could be 10 years. I don't know. I'm not, if I knew the future, I'd, I'd tell you it. Exactly. Um, but it's, yeah, and, we have and the then the removable and, and, and that funnel, you know, someone comes in with really bad dentition. And it's just like right away going into so much different things. Do you want to sleep with your teeth or without your teeth? Right. Simple do, do question. You mind, do you mind having to take your teeth out at night? Yeah. And a and patient will say to you. You're questions right there. Right. You just ask. This well, what do you mean? Like, like my grandmother with a glass? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. We could actually make you something that comes in and comes out. God, I would never want that. Oh, yeah, me too. I, I don't, but I have an obligation to present you that option. No, that is not an option for me. Okay, good, Cindy, because then we know not to even go there. But exactly. real teeth that don't come out cost a lot different. Well, I actually only have X amount of dollars. Okay, so that, and just this normal conversation. Yeah, you're funneling them. You, you Very similar. Um, that's yeah, I don't awesome. call it that. I call just like, you know, I just having call a conversation. it having a conversation. But I think that if, if one pearl could be taken from this conversation for those dentists is just remember, it is not a monologue. You're having nah. a conversation. What do you want? You know, and what, great, by the great. way, why, why do they want it? If you, and get why now, why now, what is it? What's their motivation? Because if you don't know a patient's motivation, if you, they haven't shared that with you, it, then they haven't connected. Right. If people yeah. aren't being real with you and being able to say that, then you haven't really connected on the level. It doesn't take a long time, by the way. A lot of people think uh, I was on a podcast recently and they were like, so. So you probably do like the two hour consult. Oh, God. Shit, and man. I'm like, full mouth reconstruction consults, 20 minutes, sometimes <laughs> on a freak accident, 30 minutes, you know, at most of my time. I'm talking about exam. No one to stop and not stop unselling it. Oh my God. I yeah. see that happen too. Right. Oh my God. Oh. Five and six consults and like, oh my God, these elaborate consultations. The, the patients are just confused. They point, are. They right? Are. Give them some simple options. Would you like to, yeah. you know what I always say? When you also? confuse, you lose. When you confuse, you lose. I mean, listen, let's go back to like, I know we're, 
I don't want to go political, but the messaging that you give people, when people are confused, you lose, regardless of where you are politically. Yeah. No one can tell me what Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential <laughs> mantra was. Right, right, right. And, and we all can tell what we all know what Trump's was, regardless of where you stand. Yeah. So yeah. people, what goes, what that goes to show you that clarity trumps anything else. I mean, they're not <laughs> no, pun I, try, no pun intended. But pun clarity, <laughs> the person who's most clear will tend to win. Well, you know, speaking of Trump, by the way, and, you know, we've, I'm not a huge fan of him personally, and I don't want to get political either. I just, but, but you're going political. <laughs> no, I'm just not a fan of him as a person. Now, okay. a, lot of, a lot of people will say that, that they're not a fan of his personally, but they like his platform. So, okay, got it. Okay. Yeah, I'm a just good, talking about good a, distinction. Personally, uh, his character I find interesting. But anyway, I'm going to get off that topic. But I want to say this about his communication skill. He's considered, a, you know, by some a bad communicator. But what I always found interesting, way before he ever got into politics, I noted how him and a dear friend of his in dentistry, I won't name names, um, are very repetitive in their speaking, almost like they're stuttering at times. Uh, you know, if you listen to Donald, he will repeat himself like <clears throat> sometimes five times in a sentence. And it almost is like a poor speaking. But I always noted it. I'm talking about when he was on The Apprentice and he would just be very repetitive and he spoke in this funny manner. And, and the thing is, I always said, I bet that's really effective. Everyone yeah. knows his point. And I yeah. think maybe when we're presenting, we don't want to like, maybe just kind of being a little repetitive in our points of um, <clears throat> like, I might say, I might say you could do nothing multiple times because I want them to. Right. Because then you, you, they're actually answering the question for you. You could do nothing. Well, I don't want to do that, Dr. Churchin. Right. I know, but I just wanted to. And then, and then, well, that seems really expensive. Well, you could do nothing. No, I have to do something. So they're, they're, you know, so it's such a great thing. And by the way, the same thing works with financing options. I always do this. Oh, yeah, so okay. I'll tell everyone <laughs> we offer payment plans. You know, so you, I've said the things like we have payment plans to help something of this size fit into your budget. So Perfect. a rich person will actually bow up to you at that. Hey, buddy, I don't need a payment plan. Yeah. All right. Exactly. You see that, you know, you see this car key. This isn't, you know, I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm just, I'm just saying. So it's like that you can do nothing. No, I have to do something. We have a payment plan. Oh no, I don't need a payment plan, buddy. Right. So They're you, basically throwing money at you right then. Right. But you can't, you, made, you, you, it's, it doesn't really, I don't think that there's much downside of saying, Hey, we offer flexible payment options. Should you need it? Absolutely. The, 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 the person who money is a stressful portion for the uh, stressful part of their life will say, thank you. That's good to know. And the rich braggadocious person will say, buddy, you're talking to the wrong guy. So yeah. like, it's like a com how, how can you get in trouble saying to someone you can do nothing, even if it's their front tooth and they're beautiful. And they say, listen, by the way, you don't have to do anything. This is not going to hurt you. I know you may not like the way it looks, but you can wait to go back to Connecticut. You can do nothing. Yeah. Well, no, I obviously can't do that. Exactly. So these are really good little things to tricks. Yeah. To get the, Cause you don't want to ask a question in a yes or no, when you don't want to know. Would you like to pay today? No, I'm good. Okay, then we'll then we'll see you next time. Exactly. When you want to guide a patient, don't use questions. Just say, yeah, hey, well, gonna, not yes or no questions. We're going to figure out this uh, financial, you know, we're going to figure out your options. Yeah, exactly. And we present options to every single patient. 
what I think I think I showed you this. One of my big tricks, and I, I I don't mind you know giving away half my course right now because it's not half my course. It's just really important things when you're doing this work. We have pre-printed financial arrangements for our big options, like full mouth reconstruction. I don't think anybody. Oh yeah, you touch. told me that you have, yeah you have fees that fees. Yeah, and and with the options right there. So we give them. Oh, here's the full mouth. Here's ten overhead, and here's ten. Which we, is great because when you give three options, people always tend to pick the middle. You know, one person has taught me, and I don't know if it's true, but he says the statistics is they actually choose the highest more. They pick the middle more and the lowest more. In other words, they just um, say yes more. Yeah, of course. If yeah. you give well, them all when you three. confuse, you lose. And like, right? what was the first thing? What was the second <clears> thing? <throat> yeah, that was the same thing with my Invisalign fees. I remember the local orthodontist when I started really kicking up an Invisalign. She got so mad at me. She came to me. She's like, you know, how are you chart? How do you know the fee for the case? Cause like, I'm like, well, I know what my costs are and I know some are harder than some are easier, but they don't want to confuse people. And I want everybody in my office being able to say Invisalign is blank because if like you have to go to the mighty wizard behind the cat, the, the curtain, the wizard of Oz, Oh dear wizard. How much is this case? Oh, this is going to be exactly 7.4 months. So it's going to be 4,100. Just, just one fee. One fee, always. Uh, okay. I have, I have three fees, but I know it. I look at somebody, I go, oh, you're good. You're a middle, well, you're a mild, moderate, or severe. That's well, right. this is, you know, I, I, you know, with my, with my uh, position at Invisalign, the different, the delta between the different cases is so minor. And I like yeah. having the ability to open up cases longer. So I might choose, I, I might be inclined to choose a, a less robust lab fee, but then the five-year open ability to refine is something that's important. So if someone does not compliant and come in three years from now, it's worth for me that maybe the small Delta and fee for me. So for sure. me, Invisalign is always the same. I just do, you know, I don't, I don't utilize a lot of those cases. Although sometimes I do, it's just easier for me to go the, with those fees. Yeah, absolutely. No, I like and people tend to say other. yes more. Right. Exactly. And it's probably a reasonable fee, not a it low is a fee, reasonable fee, right? Not a low yeah. fee, not a high fee, you know, right. It's a, listen, it's always good having you here. Um, always good talking with you. And I'm happy that we got a chance to share um, our stuff with the listeners because um, there's a lot of people out there that might be in a situation and, and far down the road and say, you know what, it's time to pull the plug and reinvent myself or they're in a happy spot. And they're like, you know what, maybe I do need real hands-on training in this um, uh, arena of cosmetics. But um, listen, that's why we do what we do. We want to pay it forward. And I'm sure that uh, there's better things you can do with your time um, than, uh, than the economics of the teaching, but uh, it gives back a lot. So I love it. Yeah, well, so thanks, thanks for, for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. And uh, we'll be in touch soon, my friend. Thanks for listening, everybody.